Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast with Pastor Nate Holdridge, where we discuss ways in which we can see Jesus famous in our lives. Today, we'll be discussing the book of Nehemiah and taking a look at how God renews his people. Nate, I haven't seen you since last night, but when I was at your house last night for our elders meeting, we went to your garage, we're checking out some stuff, and there's a huge spider that you killed immediately, but it was huge. And I was curious if you slept well last night, knowing that a big spider yeah. was within your territory. It was in my domain. Yeah I, yeah, I slept fine, but I will tell you that I did not tell anybody about oh, that good. spider. Yeah. My youngest daughter, she would not have slept well. <laughs> Even at 14 years of age, she would not have slept. I probably shouldn't say this about it. It's a Jesus <laughs> famous podcast. We talk about stuff here. Oh, yeah. But yeah. That, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Manny saw it, and I know he would not touch it. He just kind of went still. Like, he didn't want the spider to know he was there. He's just like, this is, we don't have a relationship. Yeah, it was pretty interesting because, I mean, he has a black belt. Oh, he's, yeah. He's from the Bronx. He's, by all accounts, a pretty tough individual. Yes. Uh, doesn't back down from a fight. No. Nope. But, um, yeah, he was a little squeamish. <laughs> Around that spider. <laughs> to be I fair, think, it was I, huge. Yeah, I think he referred to it as a mini tarantula. <laughs> I, <that's, laughs> I think there's some hair on it. It was pretty gross. Here on the central yeah. coast, it's about as big as we get. Exactly. I'm glad you slept good. Glad the house is safe. It's great to know. Hey, I'm excited to talk to you today about Nehemiah chapter 2, um, what you taught yesterday at Calvary. Um, another beautiful message in Nehemiah. I'm so excited about this series and thinking about how God renews his people. Um, there's a lot I wanted to talk to you about, Nate. Um, the first thing, though, was one of the first statements you made about God's renewal, the way he cares for his people. And you said this statement so confidently, I just had to ask you about it. But you said that God has provided all the resources in heaven for our renewal. And I was just curious if you could just, I don't know, explain that a little bit. If there's, if there's a passage where you got that concept from, it was powerful. It really struck me, and it kind of set the whole message. But where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, it's a gospel-oriented way of looking at Scripture and what we have in Christ. So the gospel message, you know, debunks any kind of law-based, hmm. morality-based, if I do X, then God does Y hmm. kind of relationship with Him. The gospel communicates to us that when we believe in Jesus— we get Christ's position mm -hmm. that we're adopted as sons. And so the father sees us as he sees his only begotten son. So what um, divine mm -hmm. resource has the father withheld from his son? N none right. whatsoever. So I, one of the passages I quoted yesterday was from Ephesians one verse three, that God has blessed us in yeah. Christ with every spiritual blessing. Love that. And so it doesn't say he's blessing us with, or he will bless us with, mm -hmm. but he has past tense blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So I, I had a, in, uh, uh, instructor who used to use the analogy of an ATM machine all the okay. time. I don't know if you've ever been to the ATM, <laughs> Riley. It's where you get this thing called cash. You put in your ATM card, oh, put in oh. the code, and cash comes Heard out. about these things. And what cash is... It's, <laughs> it's like a payphone yeah. or something, right? <laughs> so what he said in his analogy was, it's like having been what was deposited into your account was just mm. trillions of dollars worth of resources. It's there, mm. it's yours, but in Christ, you need to go and now access the resources that are already wow. yours. And, you know, his encouragement was always, hey, don't be one of those people who barely accesses right. what has freely been given mm. to him in Christ. Um, one of the highlights of my life was I got to um, actually marry my, my uh, you know, officiate yeah, yeah. the ce marriage ceremony of uh, my sister and uh, my little sister and her, her husband. I always got to say it the right way because you don't want to say I got to marry my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I got to officiate the wedding ceremony for my sister. And one of the verses that I shared with them came from Second Peter Chapter one, verse three, which says, 
his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And my concept then on their wedding day was everything you need for Mm. this marriage, God has given it to you. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when we're talking about renewal and, and, you know, being alive in the spirit, alive with God, that is definitely in the life and godliness category that God has already given us all things for. So yeah, that's why with great confidence, I'm able to say we have everything we need. We We have been given everything that we need. There's not something that we need to earn, which, you know, as I, I think I mentioned at least in a couple of the times that I taught it over the weekend, that's very different from definitely a moralistic Christianity, you know, which is just kind of what would have the concept of, you know, earning something from God, but it's also very different from other religions, you know, where the concept is, you know, over time, I kind of accumulate more blessings, more skills, more abilities as time goes on. And certainly as Christians, we, we mature over time. We get better at certain things over time. I'd like to think that I'm better at praying now than I was on day one in Christ. It's just that I have just as much access today as I did on that very first day. Hmm. So yeah, we got everything we need to experience God's renewal. That's a huge encouragement just to set up this passage because you talk about hope the whole time Mm -hmm. and how God has given us hope and these different tools to kind of access this hope through prayer and by the way, God just makes a way and how he reveals his plans to his people. Like God is just bringing about hope to his people. So what, one of the things that really stood out to me, you know, is that, you know, I'm loving the way you're teaching this already. It's the second time we're going through Nehemiah or the second portion of it, the second teaching. But I just love how the emphasis is on how God is ministering to his people. God has revealed a plan to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is simply just being obedient to what God has put in his heart to do. But God has a plan. He has things that he wants to do. And so thinking about how God has given us these gifts and how he truly wants to partner with us to accomplish his will and his plan is so beautiful. And the hope that comes from that, I just love the way you said it. You're like, it's not an emotional kind of thing. It's like a real tangible perspective about the future. And I thought we could just talk about that for a moment too, because that kind of helps us get set up for talking about prayer and mm-hmm. God making a way and everything. But can you just break down for a moment just what hope is? Because I think that sometimes we do think of it as like an emotional thing. Like I feel good. I, th- I now kind of feel good about the future, mm-hmm. but you were talking about something kind of different yeah. that was much more robust. Yeah. It's not optimism. It's confidence. Yes. So it's not, I, I hope I get a puppy. It's I am hmm. have a confident expectation that God is moving things forward mm-hmm. in a specific direction. There are things that he is trying to accomplish. So in the teaching yesterday, the concept I was trying to give was God works to try to invigorate our yes. confidence or our hope. That's the biblical word for it in what he is doing. And, uh, you know, with the people of Israel in Nehemiah's era, it was, Hey, look, you know, he moved Artaxerxes heart to give them all the resources that they need, the permission. He raised up Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah is there. Nehemiah casts the vision. There was a lot of different ingredients that put to, put together, help them say, wow, this could actually happen. Hmm. And that kind of hope in what God is doing in his kingdom, that is a hope that's worth fighting for. You know, Paul the Amen. Apostle talks about this in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about the new covenant ministry that we have in Christ Jesus and how it's different from the old covenant with Moses Mm -hmm. and how in the old covenant, you know, the law was given and that law condemns, it brings, you know, spiritual death. It points out our conviction. It points out how we've all fallen short of the glory Mm -hmm. of God. But in the new covenant, we have something different. The law is written onto our hearts. We're forgiven. We're eternally sealed and secure. Mm -hmm. And it's, permanent rather than something that's temporary. And then he says this thing, he says, since we have such hope, 
we are very bold hmm. uh, in Second Corinthians 3, verse 12. And he's, what he's saying there is he's saying, you know, as a minister of the gospel, we're not ministering the law where we're just kind of like, you know, trying to get people to change, but know that there's really no chance that they're really going to be transformed. No, in the new covenant, we have hope that the spirit can actually write things on a person's heart and they can be changed from the inside out. And that if they keep walking with the Lord, that's where my, you know, one of my favorite Mm -hmm. verses in the Bible, second Corinthians three 18, that as we behold this in the glass, the glory of the Lord, that's Jesus. We're being transformed Mm -hmm. by the same spirit from glory to glory. And so the idea is, as a, as a person keeps walking with the Lord, they can be changed and transformed. And Paul, in serving Jesus, he had that hope. He had that confidence. He had that expectation that that's what God can do. And, you know, you and I, we were sitting together last night. You mentioned being at my house, and that was a time that was just us together with the pastors, some of the pastors here in our church. And I think probably a major portion of our conversation last night, we're just talking about the church. We're getting into the word a little bit, just kind of thinking and trying to hear the spirit's voice for our Mm -hmm. fellowship, trying to be overseers of the church. And I think a big chunk of our conversation, really, we didn't say it this way, but it kind of had to do with, do we have hope or not? Wow. You know, do we have hope that, you know, God is able to take someone who is spiritually asleep and wake them up, mm-hmm. um, help them to, from the inside out, be changed and transformed. Do we, do we have that hope and confidence or not? Right. And when, when you don't have that hope and confidence, man, the stuff that you do to just like try to manipulate people or shout down people or guilt people into conformity or a certain kind of behavior. It's just shameful. But when you have the hope of what God can do inside a person, you're kind of just like praying for that. You're patiently waiting for that. You're confident that God can do that work. I mean, what can you really do to like expedite that? You just Mm -hmm. have to continually be faithful and trust it as you do what you're supposed to do. God will do his part and he'll, you know, give all the Hmm. stuff that has to happen for that revival to take place. So yeah, yeah, biblical hope, it's not just a, um, you know, a wish or a wishful desire, but it's a confident expectation. Man. Well, I love the way you talked about, you said God awakens hope, which had like a, I don't know, it was an encouraging way of you in saying it, but you said, while we pray by making a way and by revealing his plans, he almost got all I three really to rhyme. Have rhymed that last. It was, it was so close, yeah. you know. So while we pray, by, by making, making a way, way, and what was the last one? By revealing his plans. Oh man, there's got to be something new rhyme structure yeah. for that. I don't know what it yeah. is, but you're you're like about to like hit like a new rhyme, but yeah. maybe Daniel's got it. He's over there working the controls. <laughs> he might. He's probably he's yeah. our lyricist. <laughs> we'll cut it in here later, but I mean, great ways that God is awakening hope in his people, prayer. Um, Nehemiah, you know, we talked about his prayer last week. Uh, Nehemiah 1 has a great, I mean, just recollection of his prayer. But in this chapter, we're talking about some prayers he had for a long time, some kind of long-term enduring prayers. And when you're talking about it, I, I was thinking about it because I think that some of us, we want to pray for certain things to happen. We have people we love. We want, we want them to know Christ. Uh, we want to pray for healing in people's lives. All these different things that you might not just see overnight. So we want to do those things, but sometimes it feels like the transaction kind of thing where it's like, I'm going to give a prayer. And I need God to answer it right now. And if he doesn't, then is he really faithful? All that. But when you're talking about long-term prayer, you're talking about some stuff that was happening inside the heart of Nehemiah that was really powerful. It was like he was being transformed by praying consistently and that God sometimes just does that as we're praying and submitting our lives to him and these prayers that not only is he bringing about his plan, but he's actually doing something to us. We're not just rubbing a 
bottle trying to get a genie to come out. He's actually doing something to us. So I was curious if you could talk a little bit about what happens inside of our hearts, what happens to us when we engage in that long-term prayer with that hope and that confidence. Yeah, it's. I, I think the way I was trying to present it was, in a sense, it's like what should happen to you when you get into the Word. You're supposed to be interacting with who God is. This is God hmm. revealing who He is. Yes. And the information is not just meant to be understood in the mind. It is meant to the, then be applied into the soul, into the heart, mm. into the spirit to where now, because I know who God is, it affects and informs the way that I wow. feel, my expectation, all of that. So as I talked about Nehemiah doing that, of course, he wasn't only getting into the word. He was interacting with God directly in prayer. That burden is there yeah. in his heart. And as he's interacting with God this awakening is happening where he's c coming face to face each time that he prays with God, this is who you are. This is the power that you have. This is the will, the kind of thing that you want to pursue. You're into Jerusalem. You want it yeah. to do well. That's part of your kingdom. That's where your glory is supposed to be broadcast. That was the most recent revelation they had, you know, like hmm. today we don't need to go build a temple in Jerusalem because that's expired with Jesus. But Nehemiah yeah. wasn't in that era, the era that he was in, he looked into the word and he's like, we're supposed to have at least a tabernacle. We yeah. should rebuild the temple. We should be having sacrifices and feasts and festivals that's not happening. So God's into that. He told us to do that. This is who you are. God, you're able. And as he's thinking about God, mm. praying to God, he's just, it, like you said, it's not just this, uh, you know, magic sauce that's happening. It's, wow, this is who God is and something is happening to him. So, I, you know, I talked about that in the sermon. And I want to just say a couple things about prayer. Yeah, One please. is just... Um, we have to get out of the mindset and mind frame that nobody prays and everybody's just bad at it. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Let's talk about we it. got to get out of that mindset. Yes, prayer is always going to have an element of struggle mm -hmm. attached to it. Oh, You're yeah. by faith crying out to a God that you cannot see. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that will always be there. And when you're in prayer, what you're doing is entering into the spiritual realm and dimension. And what the Bible mm -hmm. teaches is that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities mm -hmm. and powers of darkness. So there's an unseen realm that clearly does not want us to engage in prayer. Not only that, but we're distracted by the world that we're living in mm -hmm. and all of its stuff. And we're, we have a flesh. We have a body of sin. So we like to sin. Yeah. So that means that we will be distracted when it's time mm. to pray, we will have a tough time at times entering into prayer. It won't always be this easy, smooth thing that's like, you know, it's as easy as turning on Netflix. Like that's mm. always going to be easier yeah. than spending time in prayer. So I'm not trying to say prayer is easy at all times or anything like that. But I, I've seen the spirit come upon the church so often where it's almost like people just talk about it in this dismissive kind of way. Like nobody prays. Right. Mm. That's just the way it is because it's hard. So no one does it. So we talk about it, but no one does it. Mm. Or if they pray, it's just like stoplight prayer, right? Where it's mm. like, I'm at the stoplight and I'm like, God, I'm having a hard day. I just pray you bless the rest of it. And that's kind of like it. Yeah. We got to get out of that mentality. You totally. can be a person of prayer. You Amen. can dedicate time to prayer. You can dedicate a space to prayer. You can have a prayer list of people and things that you're interceding for. You can become a person of prayer. So we got, we got to get out of that mentality. If someone's in that space, you got to get out of that space of thinking, there's no mm -hmm. way I'll never be a person of prayer. Right. This is a major component of the Christian life. You can be a person of prayer. And so if you're embracing that lie, I want you to, you know, get out of it. And for the life of me, I can't remember the second thing that I was going to mention. <laughs> it's going to come back. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll circle back around to prayer for sure. But I just love the idea of how God just works through our long-term prayers. It's, it's amazing. And it's beautiful. Um, 
you also mentioned about prayer, about, you know, how, how Jesus has helped you persevere with long-term prayer. And I was thinking it'd be kind of cool for you to talk about that a little bit, about how the cross has really impacted you in your prayer life, um, especially when you're just thinking about having hope for the future. Um, what, what kind of confidence does the cross bring into your heart that enables you to continue praying those long-term prayers mm. that are in your heart. You mentioned how you've been, you have been—you started working at the church in 1999, and it's 2022 now. Yeah. You're still praying for some of those same things that you did over 20 years ago. Yeah, It's like, what is it <laughs> that keeps you getting back on your knees and praying? Yeah, man. It's funny to think about that, you know. Uh, 99, you know, there I am. I'm like, passing in Y2K. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, what is going to happen? You know, (laughs) and uh, wow, we got through Y2K, but you know, it was like, I mean, gosh, don't get me started on the Y2K (laughs) thing. The stuff that Christian said was going to happen. Oh, baby. Oh, we don't learn our lessons. (laughs) Anyways, you know, I was just in my early 20s and I was just, stoked about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, praying for, uh, you know, revival really in a sense. That's what I wanted. I wanted to see a passion for Christ, like across the board in Mm. our church. And it's funny because, you know, I was looking at like 43 year old dudes out there in the church and just praying like, God, like reach into that guy's heart, like wake him up, you know, (laughs) wake him up. And now I'm, I'm, 43, you know, (laughs) and I'm still praying for the same stuff. You know, I still want that, um, passion for Christ to be deep in people's hearts. So it's an interesting way you're asking the question, like how does the cross inform those long range prayers? Yeah. For me, the way it informs those long range prayers is that I know really that's my only hope. My only Hmm. hope is that, you know, no matter how deep someone has gone, no matter how far off they are, no matter how addicted they've become, Hmm. no matter how entrenched they've become in their sin patterns, no matter how blinded they are, no matter how, you know, apathetic or lethargic they are to the things of God, like no matter, no matter what, there's only one thing I know of that properly digested could rock them out of that state. And it's the cross. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's what he did for us. And that's, you know, what happened to me. I just like, I saw him more clearly. Jesus famous happened in me Hmm. and it set the course for the rest of my life. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing that keeps me going with those long range prayers. Just knowing Mm -hmm. that like, yeah, you know, I mean, I've had family members that, you know, I mean, I say it like been praying for them for a couple of decades now. And it's like, I laugh even saying that because for some people Mm -hmm. that's like nothing compared to how long they've been praying for somebody in their lives. Mm -hmm. And when someone's entrenched that long, rebelling for that long, you know, whatever, you can lose hope. But when you see the cross and you know, like, man, if they could just get a glimpse of that, yes. uh-huh. there's still a chance mm-hmm. because that message is so good. Yeah. And that truth so dynamic and poignant that if their eyes could just be open, it's mm-hmm. not too late. Amen. That helps you continue to, so good. to pray. Yeah. yeah. Remembering how God's done that for you too and how he can do it for them. It's yeah. so powerful, right? Yeah. Ma'am, I love that. I want to talk about the plans portion of the message. You talked about how Nehemiah received a plan from God. Uh, the, the plan for rebuilding the walls didn't just come from Nehemiah's gut, although I know he had a history with Jerusalem, but God put that in his heart and put that burden inside of him. I just wanted to ask, you know, one, I guess like, how does God put plans inside of people's hearts? And I was curious if you had just any personal examples of how God maybe put a plan in your heart and like what that looks like. If that was through a quiet moment of prayer in your house or 
um, it's kind of nice just to hear stories sometimes about how God does that. So sure. can you think of anything like that in yeah. your life? Well, first of all, I mean, you know me, I'm a planner. Oh, straight so, up. <laughs> it is like, this is one of those passages of scripture that, um, you know, my goal as a, as a Bible teacher is I want to figure out what the text is communicating. Yes. And then I want to communicate that. That's what I want mm-hmm. my sermon to be about. But my first inclination on a passage like this is all about talking to people about, look, you need to get a plan. Discipline. And here's how to make plans and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So it's restraint not to go there. Because for me, I just looked at the passage and I thought, I think what's happening here is that, you know, after the prayer and the provision, all that kind of stuff, yes, a plan is being formed. Hmm. um, But this isn't just about planning. This is like, there's this renewal of what God wants to do. God is about it. Right. God is for it. God has a clear destination of where he wants to take them. It's a vibrant, holy city. That's all about the sacrifices and the feasts and Mm -hmm. keeping the law, getting into the word. He wants a people that are awake for him. And so he's working toward that. And now Nehemiah comes along. And like we talked about in our last time together Nehemiah is probably better a picture of like the spirit than yeah, us I love that and the, the, mm-hmm. so there's kind of like the spirit planning and plotting and envisioning mm-hmm. and seeing like well this is what needs to be done in order for all that to occur so framing it like that how can mm-hmm. we under the inspiration of the spirit in prayer and probably inspiration of the spirit isn't the right way to say it, it sounds too like we're going to write the Bible right, or something right. like that. That's of course not what's happening, but how can we in a spirit led way yeah. get the plan from God, which will lead us to spiritual life and vitality today. That's yes. kind of the thing. So I'm not just talking about like, Hey, how can we get the plan for like what college to go to or whatever, totally. you know, I'm talking totally. about yes. in the direction of spiritual life. So from there, yeah, you're asking like just some practical things. So yeah, I just, I think for me, I'm always assessing my own life, mm-hmm. my own, you know, walk with the Lord. So uh, let's take uh, prayer as an example. Uh, for me, it just takes a little bit of time yeah. to get warmed up for prayer each day. So one thing that I'll do is uh, each uh, summer, when I'm away on vacation and each kind of like winter break as we're getting ready for the new year, I'll take a look at my routine and especially my morning routine and kind of just ask the question, like, how's it going? How's my prayer life going? How's my life in the word going? And where would I like to see some growth and improvement? Hmm. And I'll just start tinkering with my calendar, my schedule, and everything is kind of determined based on that. You know, like the time that I wake up has to do with what kind of time I need, how that's going to look. A couple years ago when the pandemic hit and we were all, you know, like we just, you know, went home, I, I started realizing that years ago, one of my like first seasons of learning how to pray, it happened through walking. Like I would go on these long walks when it was dark out and I would just pray like that and talk to the Lord. And sometimes I get distracted like that or I, you know, get focused on other things or I'm just kind of like thinking and Mm -hmm. it's not as much praying, but it was a real powerful kind of moment for me to kind of learn how to do that. And so during that time, I kind of took a step back and I I thought, you know, I'm like working from home right now and I'm going to do this thing. I want to, I want to get that discipline back in my life. I don't want it to be sporadic. I want to do it, you know, uh, every day. So I actually made like a plan for 75 days to (laughs) every single day start, uh, after I spent some time in the word, I would go for a three mile walk. And I would use that time for prayer. Hmm. And by the end of those 75 days, it was just embedded into my life. So I'm still doing that today. But even more recently, what I started realizing was, man, 
as I did that same assessment, you know, kind of thing, I realized I'm kind of um, distracted Hmm. more than I used to be during those times where I'm walking and praying. And I, I'm finding myself like just thinking about stuff or like processing mm. decisions. So that's great. Right. But it really wasn't like prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I started saying, okay, for a season, I need a little bit of time just alone in my, uh, I have an office at my house where I can close the door. Yeah. And I, th- I just need a little bit of time where each day where I'm there alone and I can just kind of like get down in prayer yeah, and uh, whether it's like in desperation, crying out to God or uh, singing a little bit, you know, singing worship songs to the Lord. Um, And I just needed to do that for a little while because it was like, so I just had to make a plan for the time, you know, to get into that. So that might be an example. I think another one would be, um, and I don't fast a whole lot, you know, in the Bible, uh, fasting is, I mean, for one, it's mostly in the old Testament, mm-hmm. but in the old Testament, it's usually a response to catastrophe. It's not like a, mm. I mean, the Pharisees did plan on it right. once a week and then twice a week, you know, kind of thing. Um, but still there are times where it's good to plan on a fast, you know, that certainly takes planning. You got to communicate. Like if you're married, you got to tell your, your family, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be eating dinner, yeah. you know, over the next few days. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fasting, you know, you mm-hmm. got to make sure that you're, you know, not doing anything that's too insanely rigorous, you know, like yeah. don't fast on the day that you're going to go, you know, climb Mount Whitney or something like that. <laughs> you know, you got to like yeah. plan it out on the calendar. Like it's mm-hmm. a real dumb idea to be, fasting on your anniversary or something like that mm-hmm. when your wife expects to Don't like, hey, let's go out to dinner, you know, <laughs> like, so it takes a little bit of planning, you know, in that yeah. sense. So that might be a good example as well. Hmm. Uh, for me, you know, I'm a reader, so that takes planning to me. That's a spiritual discipline. So it takes the planning of, um, you know, kind of like being led to good authors, collecting those authors, keeping that list together of books that I want to read that are kind of on my to read list and then kind of queuing them up and checking them out of the library if I'm going to do that kind of thing. And then book booking the time to be able to sit down and read, not just expecting that it'll like accidentally happen in yeah. life. A discipleship is this way, you know, discipling so somebody, you know, spending time with somebody. It takes uh, planning a meeting with a man, every other Saturday morning right now, we just, you know, get together and, uh, it just, you know, that takes some planning, you know, just like how much time can I commit? What would be the times that would work for my schedule, my family's mm-hmm. schedule, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and making that kind of plan. But, uh, the book spiritual disciplines by Donald Whitney is a great mm-hmm. place for people to, to really get like a good robust picture of the basic spiritual disciplines that are found in the Christian life. And then you just kind of like, whenever I recommend that book to somebody, maybe not whenever I do, but often I'll, what I'll tell them is just like read a chapter a month, you know, and like think yeah. about that one. Cause if you just read the book real quickly, you kind of could be overwhelmed with the, you <laughs> yeah. know, a dozen or so spiritual disciplines that he mentions, but maybe just like saying, okay, here's the first one. I want to put this into practice in my own life, take a little bit of time, but you'll see, you know, there's things you have to do to plan out. All right, this is, this is what I want to do fasting now. Let me plan that. I want to do praying through scripture. I need to plan for that. So, Mm. um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but no, that's super helpful just to hear from you, just how you do it. You know, as you're answering, I was really vibing with it. I I like to plan. I like a routine. That's my thing. I, I just, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. I love the morning routine. It's like my favorite thing of the whole day, um, which probably sounds kind of selfish because I'm just by myself when I do that. But I love my wife and my kids. But um, I know that the idea of you know discipline or um, scheduling planning can be like kind of triggering to some people. Like, oh gosh, don't talk about like a schedule or anything like that. Whatever. And, uh, <laughs> I'm triggered by that. I'm triggered by that, man. We're all triggered. But um, on a different side of that, you know, I think that one thing that I kind of grew up with a little bit, just within more kind of like larger Christian culture, was the idea that those disciplines 
were more like on like the pharisaical kind of side of things, mm-hmm. like a works-based kind of salvation kind of idea. Yeah. And what you're talking about doesn't sound like that at all to me, right? It sounds like there are these things we put into place that allow God access to us. And so I wondered if you could just, I know you didn't really talk about this yesterday, but since we're talking about planning, can we just talk about that for a moment? Like what is the difference between, you know, this idea of like pharisaical, kind of like legalistic practices as opposed to, you know, life-giving, wanting to honor God with your time kind of practices? And how do you, I don't know, how did you come to like, find that there's actually a lot of spirit in what you're doing with your yeah, planning. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy God, you know, yeah. I enjoy God. He's, he's all, he's a giver. He does so much for us. He gives us everything that we need. And are there times that I am not enjoying God? You know, absolutely. Are there times where my flesh is in the way? Absolutely. You know, there's that idea of I should do this. Yeah. And that, I think that's like a loaded hmm. uh, statement because I think as you're alluding to, there is this understanding as a Christian that I don't want to practice any spiritual discipline because out of some kind of like law keeping, you know, like I should do this. It's an obligatory kind hmm. of thing. But my way of thinking about it is like, you know, every morning I wake up and I, as I'm making my coffee, the first thing that one of the first things I do is I, t- I pour a little eight ounce glass of water and I put two scoops of protein in there mm-hmm. and I blend it up and I drink it. I should do that. It's good mm-hmm. for my muscle recovery workouts, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's good. I should do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I mean, you know, like by mm-hmm. I should practice the spiritual disciplines. It's really good for me. You know, this is a a benefit, you know, when you were asking the question, I just pulled up my journal from this morning and I was today started out my day reading Psalm 46 Hmm. and I don't want to make it sound like these are just these, like, you know, the heavens parting open and these amazing, you know, like revelations every single day. There's times I'm just super sluggish. There's not a lot I'm getting out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I read through the Bible, you know, my own personal time and, um, there's passages that are still confusing to me and, you know, I don't understand the flow of, or that I'm not getting a lot out of, but I started out today reading Psalm 46, you know, verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. And Mm -hmm. I just like read that and thought, you know, I wasn't highly emotional about it or anything, but I was just looking at it like, what does this verse say? God is, he's my refuge. So he's a place of safety He's my strength, so that means he helps me with my weakness. He's a, a helper, so that he's he's my aid for life. And I just was like, with that first verse, just feeling like, God, you're just so good. You're so good to me. You're you're who I need. You're you're going to help me with life. You are there for me. And the rest of the morning, you know, it was just like little verses and passages like that. It just hmm. they're so helpful to helping you you know, get through life and experiences, you know, later in the same Psalm, he talks about like, I'm not going to be afraid that even when the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, you know, and I just was like, okay, Mm. this is a conclusion he came to based on God. And I was just thinking about the chaos of life, you know, like I'm going through a hard thing this year because my oldest daughter, she's 18. And so though we're not totally dialed in on what next year is going to look like for her. She's entering into that time where she's going to be moving away, going off to college and then just like going to live her grown up adult life, you know? And like people will say like, Oh man, like you're almost done, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sad. You know, I'm sad. I miss her already. You know, I, I don't, I don't want her to leave. I love her so much. And I'm, so I just was, I was thinking about like that, you know, the moving of the mountains, you know, as a pastor, all the COVID decisions we have to make, you know, it just seems like it's never ending and the drama that's always attached to that for people. And then, you know, just the, the future and, you know, what God is going to do here. And then just like the, I feel like my life is 
you know, I'm sure a lot of people have this feeling and experience, but it's like a long string of deadlines. That's what I have. I don't have, I don't have soft deadlines at all. My deadlines are hard yeah. deadlines. You know, if I stand up in the pulpit on Sunday morning, you know, that's a hard Sunday's deadline. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta be ready. And you know, I feel that way sometimes. And I just was reading that verse, like though all these things happen, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid because God is with me, you know, that, like the conclusion mm. the psalmist comes to. So I don't know, man, like you asked that question. Yeah. There's part of me that just feels like, I don't know how anybody does it without God. You know, maybe I'm just like a fragile person or whatever, <laughs> but to me, it just feels like need. Oh. This is need based, yes. a need based reality and experience. Like, should I do it? Yeah. Cause it's good for me, but and, and have I ever gone through a season of my Christian life where it's been like drudgery yeah. and I'm not really like feeling it like, uh, I don't really want to read the Bible, but I need to read the Bible. Yeah. Those times have definitely come in my life. Uh, but, uh, for me, it's just, there's a need, you know, yes. and I think some of it for me, and I always pray this for people. I'm just so thankful, you know, early on in my Christian life, uh, and maybe this is connected to like understanding what it means to be a believer, but the way that the gospel was preached to me, the people that were in my life, I was very conscious of the reality that what Jesus did paved the way for me to be in mm -hmm. relationship with my heavenly father. And though I've always needed like the rewiring and, and rethinking what yeah. that means for him to be my father in heaven. And though we all have weird ideas about God that have to be continually washed and cleansed from our minds and we need to put on, you know, what the Bible says about him I and mean, all that stuff from the very beginning, it was like, wow, I, Jesus is the way. Mm -hmm. the truth, the life, yeah. no man comes to the father except by him. And I get, I get the father because of what Christ has done for me. And I think that really helped me a lot, like oh, early yeah. on to, to really like realize, like to personalize, I think oh, yeah. that experience with, uh -huh. with God, you know, not the distant deity that I'm trying to get something from, but the father who is partnering together with me in life, who is speaking into my life, shaping me, leading me, disciplining me, correcting me and bringing me along into his, you know, glorious end mm -hmm. for my life where we'll enjoy each other forever. Yeah. Um, th I think that paradigm, as much as a person can retain that, that really mm -hmm. helps with the creating of those plans. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, when I'm creating the plan to like go on dates with Christina, it's not like, you know, I probably should do this. <laughs> you know, everybody says you should go on dates with your wife, you mm -hmm. know? So like a Pharisee, I'm going to do mm -hmm. this thing. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, she's my legit, my favorite person in the yeah. world to be with. She's my best friend. We love each other. Is it always just this like dynamic, you know, kind of moment? No, it's mm -hmm. not. But she's who I want to be with. Totally. There's a, there's such a blessing and a benefit. So I think the more that can turn on for people, this is a relationship, not a religious experience you're going through. That is so it. When that understanding is there, when God has impacted your heart like that, it's almost like, why wouldn't I? How, how could I not almost? You know, and there's always... Like you said, there's those temptations and different times where things feel a bit dry, but man, set your alarm clock, wake up and get some coffee with God. It's good for you. Yeah. It's good for you. Or, <laughs> or set your alarm clock at night to tell Ooh. you to go to bed, yo. Yep. Hey, that's next <laughs> Make level Make it a little right easier there. in the morning. <laughs> I've been grinding. Am I right, Daniel? <laughs> Dan knows what's up, man. Yeah. <laughs> You artistic types, you know, you guys like to stay up late and just get all broody and moody. And it's been a journey learning how to be a, a morning person. Having a baby did it for me. Really did it. I was like, I have to wake up before my baby. For real. Yeah, I got yeah. to. What time does she get up? 
she's starting to wake up a bit earlier now, but we have a really great sleeping baby. I don't mean to brag on anybody, but no, you need to, to rub that into people. This spaces. morning, dude, she slept till 8 a.m. Oh, wow. You might not want to mention that. <laughs> it's a little too far. She had a tooth breakthrough and now she's sleeping better. Anyways, that's not content anybody's curious about, but <laughs> let's close this out. Nate, I wanted to see if you could, um, just speak to the church for a moment. We're talking about hope, these practices, uh, about this relationship with God. And I know that people are just kind of going through it right now with different things that you mentioned even earlier, with different things in the world and um, different ideologies that are being thrown their way. And I know people want to follow God, but they might just be feeling tired right now. They want that confidence, that hope, but it's just feeling a bit tired. And I was just curious if you had a word for that person who just needs like a little like injection of confidence and courage and hope today. Yeah. I mean, on one hand I would say, you know, Romans eight verse one, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you're not feeling that life and renewal why well, hey, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is something that Nehemiah and you know God with Nehemiah were taking the people of Israel towards. It was a process. There's a process that we have to go through. Uh, so when you're feeling that dryness or that difficulty or disappointment, don't let yourself you know feel condemned over that. It's just a journey that you're going on. So get back on that journey. But I think. Another thing that I would say, maybe this kind of connects, maybe I'm just in a mood right now, I don't know, but, you know, earlier I just said, like, hey, we, we got to get out of that mentality that says, like, nobody's mm-hmm. going to pray. Yeah. I think I mentioned this at our final service yesterday, which <laughs> sometimes there's things that, like, <laughs> this is my fourth time giving this message, <laughs> and it's finally, I think it's finally sinking in, you know, like, what I'm supposed to be saying here. And I just found myself encouraging everybody with, hey, um, there are times where, I, I don't know what it is, there, there are times where in the body of Christ, there can almost be like a self-sabotaging effect yes. that people have yes. on other Christians. I remember you saying this. And I think what I mean by that, like... You know how like in a family, if everybody in the family, like they were all, you know, nobody had their college degree and they all were happy to work at the local, you know, mill or something like that. And then someone in the family says like, you know, I want to actually, I want to go away to college. I want to become a professional and, and here's what I want to do. You know, it can kind of go a couple different ways. There could be the like general support and encouragement, you know, from the family, like, Hey, go for it. We support you. Or there can almost be this self-sabotaging thing mm-hmm. where the family like pulls down and says, well, do you, do you think that you're better than we are? Do you think that this pattern of life that mm-hmm. we've been living is not good enough for you? Are you saying something, um, critical about us by the choices that you're making? So rather than celebrating, there's like a self-sabotaging effect. And I think sometimes that can happen in the church where you, you you look over and you see someone who's on their knees before God in worship. And they're, you know, you, you don't know what's happening in the heart, but by what you're seeing externally, it's like, okay, there's this desire for the Lord and this thing can creep up inside of you that scoffs at them that says, and and I think where it comes from sometimes is this like, well, I'm not feeling that (laughs) I'm, I'm not feeling compelled to get on my knees Mm -hmm. and rather than supporting and saying, well, I bless God for what he's doing in your heart right now. Maybe the same identical thing isn't happening in my heart right now, but I praise God that that's happening in you and Maybe there could be some more of that happening in me rather than doing that. It's like this self-sabotaging thing. And it's almost like this feeling of, I don't want 
my walk with the Lord. I don't want what I'm, what I, I, what I want is for what I'm going through to be the normal thing. Mm-hmm. But look, there's, there's just times where we, we need to have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we need to say, wouldn't it be cool if normal Christianity was on fire Christianity? <laughs> Wouldn't that be yes. legit? Wouldn't that be a beautiful experience? I've been thinking about this a little bit with um, the passage we're going to be in this next week and a book that I just recently read called Why Bother with Church by Sam yes. Albury. And one of the points that he makes in his book, and I forget which chapter he made the point, but he just talked about like the communal enthusiasm with which we should approach church. And he was just talking about like, hey, there's times where, you know, yeah, you could get a great sermon online, but there's something about doing that with other people that are into it. Yes. That just invigorates you. I had this experience recently where it was the new Spider-Man movie came out. Oh, yeah. And my kids are just Marvel heads. Like, they love it. (laughs) And so now, like, I'm, I mean, I'm a novice, but I would consider myself a Marvel fan. And so we went to one of the opening showings for Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which, by the way, if COVID is going to break out on the Monterey <laughs> Peninsula, it's 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 going to be because of the movie theaters. Oh man! But uh, we were in there; it's just packed. It's like it wasn't the opening night, but it was the Friday night thing. You know how oh, they do yeah, the Thursday huge. night oh, yeah, thing, yeah. but it was the Friday night thing. So it's mm-hmm. just packed. There's no extra room. No. And so everybody in there is like a legit fan. They're into it. They're on the edge of their seat. And I love those nights because everybody knows the protocol. Like go to the bathroom <laughs> ahead of time. Open your candy ahead of time. No talking. Like all that kind of stuff. Just be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Focused. And like man, people were so into it. Yeah. And it was like I walked away just going, I'm so glad I went to that one because it would have been such a different experience going to, you know, the two o'clock Monday afternoon showing Family with day. like seven people, you know, yeah. kind of thing. We impacted each other. Hmm. If the hundreds of people that were there that night had just sat there in apathy, it would have really put a damper on my experience, you know? Yeah. So what am I trying to say right now? I'm trying to say we should have a communal hope and expectation hmm. of renewal, not just in our lives, but in our church family corporately we're always going to battle sin we're always going to battle the flesh there's always going to be a mixed multitude if you know that term from the book of exodus Mm. but uh, we should not despise when god is working in someone's life we should be about it encourage it and expect it and not be like oh that's ridiculous that's silly Uh, we need to be in support of that kind of thing so i'm i'm really hopeful that that kind of hope will just elevate in us and in our church family we pray that today's discussion has blessed you if you enjoyed today's episode please like subscribe and share so we can continue to reach people and make jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us until next time god bless